Thank you. I know that if I lived here, I live on the East Coast. I'm from North Carolina, but I tell people, but I'm really from New York, because if I said I was from North Carolina, they, I don't sound like I'm from North Carolina. Anyway, I love Tommy. I, I've loved this whole family. Kathy and I are semi-related through just a crazy history. I'll, maybe I'll share a little bit. Um, I was preaching one day, and I had said that I had a pioneer in my heritage who was Marcus Whitman, who was a pioneer from upstate New York to the Native American Indians back in the 1800s. And she got so excited, she said, I was adopted by that family. And she said, <laughs> and that's her relatives. And there's a whole movie about it, but we've been sisters, and I hope that you all value family. Yes. You know? So this place is amazing. And I was jotting down, sometimes I love to worship and I get lost in worship and I forget that God wants to say things to the congregation that I'm ministering to. So I'm up and down, up and down. But anyway, um, I was thinking about how everyone longs for revival, a move of God, but I'm about sustenance. And, and I feel like you guys have birthed an amazing place here. I know there was so much revelation. There was a download of just anointing to hear from God. So I hope that you take advantage of the atmosphere. And uh, so this house is one that can sustain what God is doing. So you don't have to pray for a revival or a visitation or a move of God because this is going to be a way of life. So it's going to be a continuum of the presence of God. And I just love what God is doing. I'm from the next generation. I'm older than most of you. You're like my kids. But I'm all about valuing generations working together. And yeah, even from the very young, my daughter was five years old when she was baptized in the Holy Spirit and seeing things and just nurturing that. And, and I pray that you become nurturers or that you position yourself under nurturers because that is really the thing that we need to move forward in this hour. And do you know what I love about this hour? That this is the most exciting time to be alive. That we were not only born in this hour, but for it. Think about that, for it. You know, and we have, so many of us have defined our lives as, you know, pre-COVID and now post-COVID or whatever. I'm like, remember when you were pre-saved? And, and now you're post-saved. You know, so, so let's get rid of some of the language that is spewing out that can affect our ear gates. So I really want to talk about today is uh, just to uh, kind of put a little, you know, I don't know if you name, I never was one. They say, give me a title for your message. I said, I don't have a title for a message. But anyway, uh, I guess today it's about prophetic wisdom. And, and I, along with Tommy, have had the same sense of, we need to keep the prophetic clean. And, and I believe that this house is, is it's just a pure atmosphere. I love that because your leadership, I'm sure they've toiled and labored before the Lord to maintain a pure heart. And we know that the work was finished. We know that we don't have to labor. God cleanse me. I'm a sinner and this, that, and the other thing. But when you abide with God, the Holy Spirit brings revelation to you and tweaks you. And you know, you know, I've been a prophet for probably 10 years before that. The hat didn't quite fit me, but I was called maybe 30 years ago. I had a three-day visitation with God, and he said to me, if you'll say yes to the call on your life, he said, my favor will be upon you. I said, yes, but I didn't know what I was saying yes to. 
And a few days later, he had opened up the book, like when Jesus opened up the scroll, you know, Isaiah 61, but Jesus, he opened up the scroll in Ephesians 4.11, and he said, I've called you to be a prophet. And all of a sudden, everything in my life made sense. All the crazy manifestations of demons coming at me in the night, choking me, and, you know, being schooled in the spirit and, and having the ability to dream and to see things and to know things. I thought this was common for every believer, but I believe now that this should be a way of life for every believer. And, you know, I know there are positions in life. I know that we have office gifts, but you know what? It's not levels. You know, many times in the body of Christ, because we live in the United States, we have a culture of success. You know, you climb the ladder of success and it is infiltrated into the church. When I was coming up as a believer, it's like you start out working in the nursery and if you're faithful in the nursery, and after three years you get to teach a class or whatever. So I was under this place of I had to perform. And you know what, I ceased that. I ceased striving, Psalm 46. I ceased striving and know that he is God. And, and I wanna to share today about creating a value system in your life because I believe that if I never come here again, I wanna say some things of substance that will help you in your journey. The things that I've learned. I did write a book. Um, I don't have any with me because I didn't know I was gonna be preaching here. It was just a family vacation. <laughs> uh, my brother lives in Redondo Beach. And um, when Tommy asked me, my spirit leaped. And I love to be with the body of Christ. Uh, you know, this is family. And we need to uh, maintain that family is the most important thing we have while we're here on the earth. I lost my husband in um, when November 13th. We were married a very long time. But I learned so much about the love of God and the care of God and the comfort of God through that whole season. And anyway, my book is called Prophetic Journey. You can get it on Amazon. Um, the journey, I specifically wrote the book, not about gifts, because gifts are freely given, but we have to cultivate a life. And it's about the process of our life. It's about not only the mountaintop, because everyone loves to camp out at the mountain of the Lord, right? We live to ascend to the hill of the Lord. But many times our journey is you go to the valley. And, and Jeremiah 17 says that fruit comes forth in the wilderness. So I've learned to appreciate the wilderness. When I went to um, Israel a few years back, I was there with Kim Clement. And I wasn't on stage with Kim Clement. I just went, you know. It was, it was a prayer journey, Lou Engel. We went into the Negev Desert. And... That's really why I went, because I loved prayer and intercession, and it was an intercessory trip. The night that we prayed in the desert, there were, um, it was 14 buses of, I don't know, 1,100 people from around the nations. And we gathered there to pray, and that night we prayed. It was 7 o'clock in the desert, and it was 11 o'clock in the United States. And that was the day that President Barack Obama chose not to invade I think it was Iraq, because we were getting ready to go home if they invaded the Middle East. So we just saw a divine turnaround of the power of intercession. And I always say before I'm a prophet, I believe that my heart is really for the prayer closet. I've learned to love not only praying and travailing and praying in the spirit and praying in tongues and you know all that, I love to just be with God. I'm like, that's what I value. So I just want to share some of the things that I value. And, and before I do, I wrote down some things here. 
um, this house as a house of birthing mothers. It doesn't mean that the guys are left out because you can have a mothering spirit, right? Holy Spirit is uh, significant in the way that he really nurtures and trains and guides and protects, right, and leads like a mom. So the mothering side of God is Holy Spirit. And don't say that I preached heresy. But the mothering side of God, the comfort of God is so powerful. And, and there are many mothers in the spirit here that birth and sustain. I had shared with uh, the lady that came up here today to give that word. She was in the prayer room. I can't remember her name. Michelle. What a birthing mom. And, and what, you know, nurture and comfort. And we need those people in our lives that will shield us, that will hold us close that will, you know, tend to us when we have weakness, when we fall, when we, when we celebrate success. So we need those, and this house has many of those. And again, you're going to sustain the presence of the Lord. This is a clean, pure house. I love purity. I love clean. My pastor always says, I like that person. They're clean. I'm like, you know. <laughs> anyway, and, and this is a house of awakening of hearts. So when someone comes through, you know, make it your standard. You know what? We are called to awaken hearts, right? Because the issues of life flow out of your heart. So there must be an awakening of your heart and not necessarily an awakening of a gift or a calling. It stems on the, the core of who you are. And I believe because of that, there'll be a great release of impartation. An impartation in Romans 1.11, Paul says, I long to see you that I may come to you to impart a spiritual gift that you may be established. So in the kingdom of God, it's about impartation. You know, when I came up in the kingdom of God, it was about um, the late 70s. I got saved. It was Fred Price and um, the Copelands. And it was a faith movement. It was the movement of teaching and also performing. You know, it was very different back then. Yeah. But I, I honor all the, the saints that have poured into my life. And um, what was I going to say about birthing? Okay, so the birthing of the teaching began on the inside of me. I, I love really, really, really good teaching, and I don't think I'm the greatest teacher. But I, what, I, what I do say is that I, I like to come from a place of simplicity because the gospel has to be able to reach all people, all cultures, all ages, all spheres of society. So I try not to preach up here. I try to preach to awaken hearts. So anyway, um, w when I was coming up and, you know, back in the day, little was known about the prophetic. It was just like right at the threshold. And I went to a Bill Hammond teaching out in Long Island, and I was in school there for a week. And, and God did so much by the way of impartation. And see, what the church really wants, that many times they just want information. They just want some good information. They want to hear something good. They read the Bible like a newspaper. And I've done that myself, you know. But the thing is, when you have the information, you have to walk it out. And, and one of the best words of wisdom I ever got as a believer was, I, I was so concerned that I didn't know all the, the Hebrew and the Greek, and I didn't memorize all, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and my friend said this to me. It was the best word of wisdom I ever got. I love words of wisdom. And she said, 
You know, Ruth, it's not all that important that you memorize everything from A to Z. She said, the important thing is that you live what you read. So that's it. If you live, if you cultivate, you know, I was in Galatians for two years. I'm like, I was like line by line, like, God, let me understand grace. You know, let me understand grace and mercy because I was so law oriented. And I, I, he gave me just um, a visual of the Sabbath rest of God on the seventh day when God rested. Why are you toiling? Why are you travailing? Why are you struggling so? Rest. You know, your father, when he rested on the seventh day, everything that you already had need of was already in your environment from the sixth day. Everything was completed when he put us on the earth. So the work is finished. It's a finished work. So, what, so I believe I have a couple of prophetic words. I'll probably hold that till the end for some people. But I want to talk about now creating a value system. Because a value system, you will always live according to what you value. And I find even some of my friends, they, they did not have a value system even for their kids. You know, when their kids were born, you know, they raised them and they did the practical things, the diapers, the feeding, sending them to school, yada, yada, yada and just hoping things turned out for the best. But I remember when my kids were small, I was just getting saved, so I can't say I made it a value that they would know Jesus. My value was I want them to be productive citizens and I want them to have good manners. So that was my value system and today my kids are productive citizens and they have great manners. And thank you, Jesus, they're both spirit-filled tongue talkers too. And, so, but the thing is, you see, you're going, if you value prophecy, right? If you value prophecy, you will become prophetic. You will attune to the ear, you'll attune your ears to stand in the counsel of the Lord when you value it. If you don't like, well, if he gives me a word, he gives me a word. Many people kind of think that, you know, God just randomly, and we know that he gives gifts as he chooses, but with the abiding of Holy Spirit in the New Testament, the New Covenant, we have everything that we need already on the inside of us. So creating a value system. I believe that personally my number one value system is to know God. And I'm like, do people even think about that? Do they, are they just content coming to church, sensing his presence? But like, I want to know how God thinks. Like, I don't think I've even had tipped the iceberg of knowing God. And, and my favorite verse, everybody has favorite verses. It used to be Romans 8.28, but now it's Micah 6.8. And it's about simple. What does God require of you? What does he really require and ask of you? Think about requirement. That word is like, oh, I have to do something. What is he requiring me to do? What is my new boss requiring me to do? What does thus and so require, right? You go into the service, they require certain weight, certain height, certain mental, you know. Micah 6.8 said, what does the Lord require of you? But to love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly with your God. So the day-to-day, -day, just walk. Just take a walk. Just go sit in your living room. You know, imagination is powerful. 
it, it's not new age and it's not sin. In fact, a few weeks ago, someone had shared a revelation at church. Before the scientific revolution, man communed with heaven. They painted, if you ever go to Europe and you see the Sistine Chapel, I've been to Germany, I've been to Italy and Belgium, the churches there, they painted angels, seraphim, cherubim, demons and angels, they understood heaven. They looked and they gazed and they processed. So what this pastor had said to us was cherubim, which is the angelic, cherubim is seraphim, cherubim is the root word for cerebellum. Your imagination was meant to see the realm of heaven. So we have permission to gaze heavenward and to use your imagination. Before I was saved, I used my imagination to create things. Things that I needed to create a fantasy land because my home life was not good, so I had this little fantasy life I had going on, right? But now, as a born-again believer, we are given permission to gaze heavenward, to see, to begin to look. It, you know, we all love, we, we've quoted for a few years now, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. I did that as a Catholic. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we just say that rotely, because we have information in the Bible, what is going on in heaven? Do you give yourself permission to ascend to the hill of the Lord? We all have a Jacob's ladder. Every time I look in scripture, the Lord told me one time I was like Ezekiel. I'm like, really? But all Ezekiel did in chapter one, he laid by the river Chabar. He looked up and he saw vision. The heavens were open and he saw visions of God. It was positionally, it was simple. Walk with God. Ascend the hill of the Lord. God does not withhold anything from us. So I, I just love, I just, let me just pray that right now over you, that you will take advantage of the ascension of the Lord. Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. We're already made clean because of the word spoken to us. And yes, I do understand that as we allow the sanctification of God the purification, as we draw close, he, he purifies those, those areas. We don't purify them. He purifies them because there is no veil. Sometimes we act like there's still a veil. The veil, when you go in the presence of the Lord, he purifies us. You don't stand this side of the veil and say, I'll get clean and then the Lord will show and reveal things to me. You go into the presence of the Lord and the heavens are open. Remember when Jesus was baptized by John at the river? 30 years of preparation for that moment in time. Preparation is just as powerful as anything you'll ever do. Preparation time because you become it's the becoming, you, you, the process of becoming like Jesus. But w he loves us so much that he lets us become who he created us to be, which is very uniquely different for every one of us because he's a creator. You look around, I'm Italian, you know, there's Korean in here, there's white, there's black, there's whatever. He has created us so differently because he loves us. My friend said she had asked the Lord, how did you know the numbers of the hair on her head? 
And she thought that Jesus just went one, two, three, counting them. And she said he showed her, he placed them one at a time. One, two, three. The uniqueness and the creativity of God that he has put on the inside of us. So the value system of God. Knowing God, hearing his voice, right? We are the tabernacle of God. We become the dwelling place of God. We, I, you, we are the house of prayer. We. This house is a house of prayer. It doesn't mean I have get up at 6 a.m. like I used to do and put the clock on, pray till 8 o'clock. That was good in that season. And now I just walk with God. I talk to him. He talks to me. Sometimes I don't hear anything, sometimes, but I still pursue just being with him. When my dad left, he left when I was five years old. My whole childhood, I was looking for my father. I would wait. He, he was unpredictable. He had PTSD from the war. I never knew when he was going to come. I, I became very depressed. When I was a teenager, I got into the occult. I could levitate bodies. I took drugs to numb the pain of fatherlessness. And when I got saved at an Amway meeting, me and my husband and my sister got saved the same day at an Amway meeting. Right? I know it's good. I was so afraid of people. And, and I stood up the first one. I never heard the gospel, even though I was Catholic. Nobody ever gave me a track. All I knew is something was drawing me. And I stood up to accept Jesus, and my husband tried to hold me down. What are you doing? Here, Ruth, you're afraid of people. You don't stand up in a room of 300 people. So I pushed his hand away, and I went up front. But then he followed, and my sister followed behind. <laughs> but I remember this. It wasn't that I felt free of sin, though I did. I felt the presence of the Father. I got chills because to this day... My security is in my head. I have security having a father. Yes. My grandsons, now their dad left. And, and I'm, I'm talking to them about the fathering of God. And it is the most powerful asset that you will ever have as a believer is the presence of God. You know, when you don't have a dad, you're insecure. When you have a, a father, and you know and discern the Father's presence, you're not afraid anymore. You come into a place of protection. I was unprotected all those years because my dad left. That's why the demons came in. My mom was working two jobs. And I just did what I wanted to do, no boundaries. So anyway, let me get back to the value system. But the presence of God, we are the tablet. We are the house of prayer. The power of his presence. You know, we talk about we want power, we want power. You'll understand power because there's power in his presence. Powers to sustain you. Power for the mountain, power for the valley, power for every season that you go through in life. And you know, we're in a new era. We're in a time where history is changing. It's historical. This is a historical moment in the body of Christ and in the earth. It's not a change of seasons. Seasons are dependent upon outward things. It's not a new wineskin. It's a new era. History is changing. And we, we get to pen it. We get to 
What do I have on the inside of me? I have Christ on the inside of me. He is the hope of glory. I want to read this from, um, I'm a New Yorker, so I get a little rabbit trails every now and then. But Holy Spirit always brings me back. Paul's love for the Colossians, I love this. In uh, chapter 2, I wish you could know how much I have struggled for you, Paul's saying, and for the church in Laodicea, and for the many friends I've yet to meet. I am contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together into love's fabric. This will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's great mystery, Christ. This is the Passion Translation. For our spiritual wealth is in him like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered, heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. I love that. See, because information has to become revelation. And then revelation is the revealed word. It's things that were once hidden now are disclosed to you. You can see, right? You can understand. And then when you see, you comprehend, you own the word. When you own it. When, when you say, this is a reality on the core of who I am, it becomes an impartation. And you can release it. So people walk around, oh, I want impartation, I want to have impartation. You lay hands on people and like nothing happens. Well, what it is, is it's, the word has to be made flesh. Let yourself walk out the process of life, discerning the words that you know so that they are embedded in the core of who you are, your heart. Take time with the word of God. Chew on it. That's what the word means, to chew on it. Meditate on it day and night. And then you have revelation when you own it, when it becomes revealed to you. You know that you know that you know, and nothing can deter you. Nothing can persuade you away, right? What did Paul say in Romans? I am persuaded. I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. So I, I believe that, you know, when people come into my atmosphere, they're coming into the presence of God because I'm persuaded. So I create an atmosphere in my home. I, I took in my niece one time. She was on drugs. She was cutting. She was in a psych. Oh, my God. And then they, they brought her in my house because we, could, we had to supervise her, right? She was 14 years old. My kids were furious with me. Mom, she's going to steal from you, this, that, and the other thing. Her name is Katie. And I said to her, I looked and I said to my son, you were Katie. I looked at my daughter. You were Katie. And I knew that when I brought her in my atmosphere, she would be changed. Well, she's not born again yet, but she's a whole lot freer. She texts me practically every day. Ruthie, I love you. Ruthie, I miss you. Where are you, Ruthie? Right? And it was like the most amazing thing, just bringing her in my atmosphere. And every day, my natural mind would have said, Katie, you need to do your schoolwork. Make sure you do the chores, blah, blah, blah. No. In the morning when she got up, I went over to her. I hugged her and I kissed her and I said, Katie, you're my princess. I said that every day. The power of comfort and the reality of love. Thank you, Lord. So it's the power of God's presence that we create and we become, we become carriers of his presence. We carry the glory of the Lord. Remember Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not even going. I'm not even going. 
Anyway, um, the power of creating atmosphere. You know, when um, the firmament was called heaven in Genesis, right? The firmament. It was a place that created a greenhouse effect. And the firmament was called heaven. And everything under it would flourish. It was like you go into a greenhouse, you're sweating, but everything is fragrant and growing and it's vital and you, the dew. When we create the atmosphere of heaven, we create a firmament. And if you will sustain, and I believe that you will, the atmosphere of heaven here, everything under it will grow and mature. So it's creating atmospheres. Create a place in your home, uh, whether, whether you have a chair, you know, in a room, or you have an office, or like Kim Clement, he made a garden. I tried doing that one time, but it didn't work out. The weeds kept growing, and I hate gardening. So I brought this little thing in my house. The, the water came down. I'm like, oh, I, I love water flowing over rocks. It was this little thing. But it was just like I was very um, cautious about putting boundaries around my prayer room. That's my meeting place with God. And although we are the meeting place, there's an inward glory, there's an outward glory. So you can create something in your home. You say, that's my meeting place. That's the place that I go that I can hear from God. And, and just the power of expectation will cause that to unfold. So firmament was called heaven and everything under it grew. The power of love, the power of the love of Jesus, the cross, what other power do we need but the power of love? You will never know the love of God until you receive and position yourself to receive his love. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn it. He just loves you. And Graham Cook always says, he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Be love. And I'm telling you, I had to go through a breaking process to understand the love of God. I was hard. I was angry probably till about 15 years ago. I used to, listen, I could overturn a table. I had these fits of rage when I was a kid. There was so much instability on the inside of me. But when I met the, the presence of, of my father, slowly he began to chip away, chip away, chip away at the process. Life is a process. So my mom became sick and I ended up taking care of her. I didn't want to take care of her. I was traveling in ministry. This was a big nuisance to me. And at the end of it, the last few weeks, I slept in bed next to her. And I said, God, what is this all about? And he says, she's teaching you how to love I didn't know about the love of God until I let myself feel pain. Sometimes we go through struggles and turmoils and pain, and you can resist it, you can run from it, you don't have to deal with it. When you're face to face with someone else's suffering, and you allow yourself, say, God, my heart is hurting, I can't even do anything about this. The love of God. When my husband got sick, I had been traveling, traveling, Two years, COVID. I was so grateful for COVID because I got to stay home with them every day for two years. You can be grateful or you can be angry. And I looked to see what God was doing in the midst of it because he's always doing something. And I had a visitation from the Lord three days before he passed. 
and, and I went into this place of weeping, not out of pity, but I was, in, I was praying in a new prayer language, and I, I, the door in my bedroom turned gold, and I, I, I started singing as if my husband was in the bed with me, and I'm singing, and then I went into the hospital room, and I started singing it over him, and it was like my whole heart was like I was so caught up in the compassion of the Lord, and if you will be grateful in every season, if you will learn gratitude and begin to look and see what God is doing and what he's not doing, that's a powered life. That's an empowered life. So I don't believe that God caused COVID. I think it was from the pit of hell. You know, I hate all the, everything that's going on, but in the midst of it, we're all being reset. Because when you had to stay home, you had to stay home, right? You didn't know what you could do without church. You didn't know, you know, you can't even go out and see anybody. You're gonna come face to face with who you are Say, God, what do you, what, what, what's going on now? I was happy because I'm an introvert and I love my prayer room. But what if you're an extrovert? My pastor, he, he was such an extrovert. He said every day he had to go out, even if it was to get gas with a mask on. And I'm like, I love this. You know, you introverts in the room, you know what I'm talking about. But the power of love, the power, how much time do I have? A few minutes? Okay. The power of our prayer language. I'm telling you, for the last year and a half, there has been uh, just a, a fire, a fresh fire on people that pray in the spirit. And I'm telling you, I've always valued praying in tongues, probably because I couldn't really speak that well. I didn't like to speak, but tongues was safe, right? But I remember reading that the man that did uh, the healing rooms... Charles, what, John G. Lake, he said that praying in the spirit was the very making of his ministry. He could attribute it to nothing else. I'm like, this is a great idea. I'll pray in tongues. So I, I just, from early on, I just made it a habit to pray in the spirit. I pray in the spirit on most occasions. You know, sometimes you're going into store marshals or whatever. You don't want to pray in tongues, but I'll be praying in tongues underneath. I'll be praying in tongues in my mind. You can pray in tongues in your mind, right? Because James tells us, James 3, 4, that your tongue is like the rudder of a ship and it directs it to where it will go. You want to be aligned with heaven? The more you pray in your heavenly language, you will align with heaven. You'll begin to think like God. You'll begin to have the wisdom of God. I, that's why I love tongues because it's an alignment. You know, you don't have to feel anything. You could just pray in your prayer language. Pray. And the power of God. Hey, listen, you can do it all the time. It's free. It's given, you know, the same way, we, the same way that we received salvation free, right? Freely given. The same thing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit to who, those who will ask, right? People say, oh, I, uh, you know, I'm, they stand there. You pray for them. I say, you need to open your mouth. It's a vocal gift. God is not a dentist. He doesn't pry your mouth open. Use your voice and he'll give you the language. Comes from here, doesn't come from here. So tongues are so vital. It aligns us with heaven. So the power of our prayer language, it's so crucial in this hour because um, Romans 8, it tells us again, we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit of God prays through us. And sometimes it's groanings that are too deep for words. You know, many times your, your tongue will go and then you're going, uh, uh, you know, we know that it's given birth because we're, we're infused with his power and it overshadows our natural man. You know, 
That's why people fall out in the spirit or whatever you shake, you quake or whatever. Sometimes I'm just misconservative. I just sit there. But you know what? It doesn't matter because you just, you, you let the spirit of God. Sometimes you can just sit in his presence so still and the spirit of the fear of the Lord will grip you and you can't move. The power of a pure heart. Matthew 5, 8, the pure in heart see God. You know, the more we allow the cleansing, he cleanses, he cleanses. We sit, we just say, cleanse me, Lord, cleanse me. The power of a pure heart. The, the more consecration, and I'm not talking about that you have to go through ceremonial washings like the priest did in the old covenant. They, no. It's simply, Lord, wash me and cleanse me. Wash me, cleanse me. I'm sorry I said that. Oh, you know, I, I didn't say that so nice. You know, I, I took the paper from work. You know, they had paper there. I took it from work. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. But see, Holy Spirit, when you pray in tongues and you're walking with Holy Spirit, you don't have to figure out what's a sin. The Holy Spirit quickens you, right? It's, it's the work of the Spirit of God. When you were saved... You didn't even realize that you got a free ticket to college, Holy Spirit school. But most of us didn't even understand that. You know, we, I always say Jesus was the door to the kingdom, and the baptism of the Spirit is the door to the fullness of the Spirit of God, which is the sevenfold spirits of God in Isaiah 11. So I've been on this quest. I didn't pay too much attention to the sevenfold spirits of God. People talk about it. I read it on the Elijah list. But until, but until I, I said, Lord, you know what? I, I, I want to comprehend the fullness because it's way more than tongues. We get tongues as a language to align us, but it's an invitation to know the full working and outworking of the Spirit of God. And that's what we need today. We need the Spirit of God, which is Yahweh. He's all in all. The spirit of understanding, which is to comprehend spiritual truths. The spirit of knowledge, to know. Everybody's asking for witty inventions, but they're waiting like it's going to float down in a dream. You can ask God for knowledge, and he will show you what you need to do. Knowledge is their facts. It's tangible. The spirit of knowledge. We need knowledge to know where these girls are hidden that are trafficked. We need knowledge. That is the most horrific thing on the earth today. And all it takes is a few believers that will tap into knowledge. And then strategy, which is the spirit of counsel. Counsel is a strategy room. It's like, what do we do with the knowledge? Picture coming before God and you have the strategy room of people that have tapped into the spirit of counsel. So we're not taking advantage because we're not really looking deeper into everything that is unfolding to us. But we're living in a time now where there is nothing being hidden. Things are being revealed. We see it in the natural, and it's happening in the spirit as well. The power of family and community. When God created man and woman, I'm still man and woman, right? Man and women. <laughs> we were meant to what? Steward the earth. It is not good that man is alone. 
even though half of us could be introverts, we still need people. But the thing is, we need the right people, the right relationships. We need to discern. You have a natural family, right? I love my natural family, even though half of them don't even know Jesus yet. I value them. I love them. They are a gift. But there's something about the family of God. And when you align yourself, and I pray, Tommy, that the people that come in here will discern, is this my family? Is this where you're calling me to be aligned? A friend of mine said to me years ago, he said, Ruth, he said, your destiny is keenly linked to who you are aligned with. Alignment is powerful. Now, we love everyone. We love everyone, even, you know, but we don't have to hang out with people that are Job's comforters. We don't have to let people speak into our lives that are full of negativity and fear. We can love them and minister to them, but set boundaries up around your space and say, I, I need my people. I need my friends that God has put in place in my life that will, that will help me grow, that, that I'm in covenant with them. I can bear my secrets, right, Kathy? We're in covenant with each other. And, and I just, I love the family of God that I'm in covenant and in alignment with. They are a gift from God. Family is a gift from God. And the power, the last one I'm going to talk about here is the power of comfort. And, and Holy Spirit, that was the thing that we were prevented from doing was to comfort, to hug, to get close, comfort. I had asked the Lord, you know, a lot of my journey has been overcoming anxious thoughts. As I know many of you, because before I, I felt some fear, this seems to be a common thing in the body of Christ that we're still struggling to overcome. So I said, Lord, I asked him, I said, why do people that have trauma or separation from parents or whatever, what happens at that place in time that it remains with them and it causes the unfolding of all these other things, fears, phobias, depression, Bipolar, you know, all these names, OCD, I don't know. They had no one to comfort them. During trauma, because I know when my dad left and I talked to my mom, she's, oh, Ruth, you'll be okay. She wouldn't let me sit and talk to her and tell her how it hurt. So it laid there like this, you know, this ugly place that I had no one to comfort me. And the power of comfort... Holy Spirit is our comforter. You know, the, we have to take our imagination, right? Take our mind. And I'm not saying go back to the trauma. What I'm saying is I could sit on my couch and, and I could let the Lord embrace me. Or I can call a friend that God leads me to and I can bear my heart and they have the ministry of comfort. And... It's interesting because in Isaiah 40, that's where the prophetic is meant to be today. God is raising up prophets of kindness, yeah. prophets of comfort. They have to speak truth, but it's how we speak truth. You speak the truth in love. Where are the prophets of comfort? I know I used to be one, well, I just speak the truth. I get to the root of things. You know, let somebody else that has a gift of mercy deal with you and I'll move on. 
and my, my, one of my pastors in, in uh, Greensboro, I had him for 10 years, great guy. It was an Assembly of God church. He said, Ruth, you know why I love you? He said, you have no mercy. Because he was like that. He used to tell people, move on, grow up. Because I didn't want to feel any pain, right? But until God broke through the walls, right? And the mercy and the love and the comfort in Isaiah 40, it's the picture we see of New Covenant prophetic. It says, comfort, oh, comfort my people, oh, Jerusalem. Tell them that her warfare is ended and she has received double from the hand of the Lord. That is a picture of the New Testament. Because up until Isaiah 39, it was a picture of 39 books of the Old Testament where we see the judgment of God. Psalm 40 is a picture of the turning of the page. Comfort. Comfort my people. And uh, uh, I'm not saying you have to go around mushy-huggy. But I'm talking about the reality of you knowing and discerning the comfort of God for yourself when you were in the valley, where you were in the place that you thought you were losing your mind. You didn't want to tell anybody. You, you know, we have those places in our lives, the valley places that can be a gift. When I went to the wilderness in Israel, the Lord reminded me, I love the wilderness. I love the desert. I was in Palm, I can't say I love Palm Springs last weekend. It was 115 degrees, but when I was there, I said, I love the barren places because there's no external influence. There's no clamoring of negativity and news media. There's no interpretation of the signs of the hour. There's none but me and God, and there's a clean slate. And, and I, I get just, just to be and let the word of the Lord wash over me, reviving me, refueling me, and reminding me about the simplicity of walking with God. And that's the word that I have today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had a word for this, this young guy over here. Everybody looks young to me today. <laughs> right over here, you, you're sipping the white cup. It was just like the Lord, like during worship, I saw one hand go up, and then I saw the Lord's hand come down. And the Lord's hand was holding your hand, and then you had two hands up. And it was like the Lord was holding you. There are times that you feel like there's no footing under you. But the Father, I, I saw like the fathering of God, like you're going to come into such a revelation of the fathering of God that he's going to impart and deposit into you the spirit of might, which is the strength of God. And I actually saw you like, because you have, you're holding steady, he's holding steady to you. And, and the footing that you feel like sometimes you're not, that's like a gift of faith. Like, you may not know what tomorrow holds. You may feel like, I, I'm not settled. I, I don't know what, what I'm doing. I don't know, is this right? Is this what? It's not bad. It's like a gift of faith that God is giving you to just hold his hands. Let him deposit the spirit of might on the inside of you because you have a breaker anointing. You're going to deliver those that are on the streets from drug addiction, 
there's a breaker anointing on you to set people free from demons. You may not even understand it fully or realize it at the, right now, but I'm speaking into your tomorrow. So I just bless you to hold the Father's hands. There's, there's a, an impartation of his strength that's coming to you. And when you worship him, when you worship him now, for the rest of your days, you're going to feel like I'm holding on to the Father. So the Lord blesses you. He's giving you a Father's blessing. And I don't know if that means anything to you. Maybe one of the men can bless you after with a Father's blessing. I just give you a mom's anointing, okay? A mom's blessing that you're comforted, you're cared for, you're watched over. And I saw like there were times in your life where you felt like money would come in, then it would fly right out. Like your pockets were empty. But then as the pockets would empty out, I would see like this greenery, this provision coming down from heaven. So it, it's about faith. It's about faith. You know, the Lord told me one time, he, he's, and I think this is a word for many of you in here, because we're in a time now where it's incon there's an inconsistency in, in jobs and in finances and businesses and, and whatever. I got so angry at the Lord one time because my husband had, um, he left a job and opened a business and we were living like a nothing for a year. My kids were little, we didn't have health insurance. I went to the refrigerator, there was nothing in there. I said, okay, I guess I'll fast, but I wasn't happy about it. I threw my Bible on the floor and I said, God, you failed your word. I was new. I, I didn't understand faith. And he said to me this, if you can't believe for me in the natural, don't expect to believe for the supernatural. Because many of us want to raise the dead and all this and then tomorrow we get a cut in pay and we're moaning and crying and it just doesn't make sense. So, so live consistently with knowing that he's provider. You know, Look, if you don't have a paradigm that God is good, you will have a real problem living this life. God is always good. He's always faithful. Always. It just doesn't come the way sometimes that we like or expect, but it always comes. And, and you, brother, there's such a, a passion on you for, for God. And there, I, I just see like this prophetic anointing coming on you, like discerning the voice of the Lord, discerning. I even see like, you, I, I'm hearing the word like whistle. And you know, like sometimes people, they, they whistle in worship, at least at my church they do. But like the sounds, like you like sound. And there's something about sound that God wants you to tap into. So I bless you to see, you know, your eyes are pure, your eyes gaze, and there's something about you. It's like you have the spirit of John on you that you just love to gaze into the eyes of Jesus and rest on his shoulder and all is well, but the Lord has a lot for you to do. And I just see you like there, you like to set things in order. And I believe that you're really going to be used like on the streets. And it's almost like strategizing teams to go to certain places, like discerning, hey, let's go down this street. I sense that we need to deal with this. Let's go down that street. The Lord showed me in a dream. Hey, let's go over there. Hey, let's not go over there. So God's going to really increase that discernment, that dis gift of discerning to you and the ability to see and discern for the purpose of, of um, reaching the community and, and equipping the saints. Even in here, I believe that you're going to be a strong equipper. I don't know when or how or whatever. It might not be tomorrow. But just that you love the house of God and, and that your purity is going to really release the ability to nurture and feed others with gifts. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Yeah. Thank you, God. So I, I actually am seeing this word, Robin. 
Is there anybody in here, Robin? Robin. Is there anybody in your family? Because I've done this before. Robin. Okay. Just stand up. Who, who is Robin? Your uncle. Okay. So I just believe that, you know, God loves him. <laughs> you know, and he doesn't have to be here to receive a blessing. That's how much I love when God gives names of people that aren't here and that you can give the word to him. I just see like, I don't know if he's in a financial strait or some tension. I just see like a businessman that has a lot of struggles or some, there's something that's really on his heart and mind right now, very tense. And I believe that you're going to bring the peace of God to him. So, yeah, just let him come in. Just go comfort him. Just come and, and pray for him to release the peace of God. I just see almost like if he doesn't get some freedom from stress, things may not be good physically. So I believe that you're going to be that person that God uses to bring him to the peace of God. So thank you. And somebody else had a Robin. Did you? Is she a female? Okay. Who is it? Your mom. Oh, we love moms. Yeah. I thank you, God, that this young man, this young, you're young, right? Anybody's young to me. All right, so that your mom, you know, mothers are amazing in the kingdom. My mom was amazing. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the connection with his mom, God, that you will use him. I just see, like, your mom has this a generosity about her, this giving spirit, like a pouring out, a pouring out, a pouring out. And I, I feel like maybe she doesn't feel that, um, not that you haven't appreciated her, but she's given out a lot. And she just needs some encouragement to know that she's done a good job to you know, bring healing to her body. Her body, um, yes, yeah, I don't know if it's arthritis or whatever, but just to bless her and to bring her some needed healing and that she's valued and that she's loved and that she's cared for and she's nurtured. I just see uh, like flower pots, like she loves to see things grow, but God wants her to grow now in, in a deeper abiding and a relationship with the Lord. And you're going to be that bridge. You're going to be the one that uh, just really shows her how much that you've appreciated, even if things didn't go good all the time, even if there was a time perhaps that, you know, there was a conflict that, uh, it's, it's just going to be an amazing journey. And, and that's one thing that you will never regret is caring for your mom. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So uh, I just want everybody to stand up. And I'm just going to lay hands on, on those that really feel this call to prophetic ministry. I know we all are called to hear from God. 1 Corinthians 14 says that we can all prophesy. But for those that really have this weightiness, they see, they hear, they, they have dreams, and yet you're, you're somehow sensing, I need to understand more. Maybe you don't have the ability to interpret, or um, you're still in the process of figuring it all out. Hey, listen, God needs street people now that can hear the word of the Lord. We're now, it's not the season where we just sit in church and prophesy to each other. It's about what Tommy said, it's equipping. And I just want to impart that to you, that you will come into a place of understanding. And listen, as you grow, value being kind. Value being merciful. Yes, be truthful. 
it's not so much in what we receive, it's not so much the revelation as it is the delivery. And God, when he works in our hearts and he works the fruit of the spirit in us, it's so our delivery can impact the people that receive the word of the Lord. I've received words from people that were accurate, but I certainly didn't appreciate the way that they lived their lives. So kind of brushed it off. But I have received the word of the Lord more from people that would come to me and say, I had this dream or this thought. It didn't make sense, but I know how much God loved you. And can I share this with you? And I would say, yes. Be polite. Don't invade somebody's space or boundary. I have a word for you. May I give you a word? May I share something with you? And we need to be really careful how we deliver outside. I went up to a lady in the bank one time, and, and I thought I was being nice and gentle and kind. She's, we're transacting. And I said, oh, I see two angels over you. She couldn't work the rest of the day. I'm like, Lord, did I do anything wrong? She had had two miscarriages. And every, I, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I didn't mean to affect your work day. Please forgive me. She said, oh, it was okay. But every time I went back there, she remembered my name, which is a hard name to remember. And it, it was just a beautiful relationship that we had after that. Just how we deliver with the heart of God. And so with that, with the gift, we sit with God. We let him change us. So that combination, the prophetic word and the heart of God, that's what will change the earth. So I want everyone to come up here if you want, you know, if you feel like you'd like to see or discern more, you know, I, I want to bless you. It's, it's a blessing to affirm what God is already doing on the inside of you.